On today's podcast, we talk Super Bowl commercials. Plus, is black the new nostalgia? All this plus Doctor Who on today's episode of the Geek Watch Podcast. This is the Geek Watch Podcast with Brian Hatcher and Mandy Petrie. Greetings, Geek Watchers, and welcome to episode 99 of the Geek Watch Podcast. I'm Brian Hatcher, and with me, as always, Geek Watch's own resident geek goddess, Mandy Petrick. Hello, Brian. So, the Super Bowl was uh, last weekend. Was it? Yeah. Uh, I guess it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, somebody won, for sure, but there was uh, there were some commercials, and we talked about this last time. We uh, I mentioned, of course, they, ha- they were going to have a Rick and Morty Pringles commercial, uh, which was as weird and morbid as you would expect. <laughs> uh, and uh, some of the other ones we'd seen, uh, the couple that I was um, that surprised me that I was interested in was there was a uh, commercial for uh, Quicken Loans with uh, Jason Momoa. And uh, I know you didn't get to see any of these commercials, um, but uh, yeah, the one with Jason Momoa was great because he's, he- um, of course, he's heading home and he- he's he's talking about how home is the place where he can be himself. And he walks in, uh, he walks in his front door, closes the door, and then he kicks his boots off and you realize, oh, there's some major lifts in the boots. He's obviously shorter, <laughs> right? And then, of course, he uh, pulls off uh, the fake muscles off of his arms, his chest piece. So he's like he's this dangly, skinny person. And uh, he sits down. He goes, but at home I can be myself. And then he pulls his wig off and it's basically a comb over. So a lot of people had issues with this commercial. They said it was way too uncanny valley. It was just kind of creepy watching him pull his uh, arms off. Yeah. Um, Of course, the great thing at the end was his wife was... um, was standing behind him while he's trying to press a, a, a barbell. Uh, no weights on it, just the bar. And he's having a real struggle. And she's like, you can do it, you can do it. He's like, take it, take it. And she just reaches up. One-handed. Re- one-handed, puts yeah. it back. Oh, that was good, honey. <laughs> Which was funny. It's awesome that, uh, of course, that he has that uh, sense of humor, you know, mm-hmm. that he can. Make know, fun of himself. Absolutely. And... Which was yeah. great. Uh, the other one that I and I didn't know about this, but of course we did get a teaser trailer for the two uh, for the three uh, Marvel shows that are coming out mm-hmm. on Disney Plus, and uh, of course the the one of them, uh, the one that I was definitely interested in seeing was uh, seeing scenes from WandaVision, which after seeing it, of course at this point we uh, I mean I, we've been hearing rumors about the show for a while. But uh, I mean, certainly after seeing the trailer, we can we can definitely tell that the show is going to be well. Well, if you don't mind me using the uh, industry term for it, uh, batshit crazy. Uh huh. So. I, w- I would have gone avant garde. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, it's going to definitely be. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- they said that it was going to be uh, sitcommy. You know that it was going to uh, all the sitcoms. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> yeah, because everyone I, ever made. Yeah, it's like you see the Dick Van Dyke Show. You saw um, the Brady, the Brady Bunch. Bunch. Uh, there was be there was the one with Bewitched. It was where she was wearing the, the costume from uh, from the comic. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. You had Bewitched. You had Family Ties in there. Roseanne was in there. I mean, it was just like all kinds of crazy stuff. 
So it'd be exactly what's going to happen in that show. Who can tell? Of course, we got a little bit of a taste of uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be uh, that's going to be the first of, of the three that come out. And then, of course, we get Loki at the end and we only get really kind of a teaser with Loki. Yeah, he just looks like he's in a prison uniform. Yeah. And uh, I would think an, it looks like an Earth prison uniform. I couldn't quite see the letters on on the shirt, but so I don't know. I don't know where well, he is. I believe the um, the letters were TVA, and I, that references, I believe, there's an organization in the uh, in the Marvel universe, at least in the comics, of an or, uh, of a group of people that they maintain uh, the timelines, mm-hmm. and um, and so he might he might wind up uh, going afoul of them because obviously he's going to be a tr- He's the trickster. He's a trickster, and he has a you know, he has the tesseract. So uh, eventually, they're gonna they're gonna be like, you can't you can't keep fouling up timelines like this mm-hmm. for sure. So we definitely have that going, but uh, it's gonna be soon. I mean, we've got uh, Black Widow is gonna be coming out here uh, soon, and we got a little bit more. We did see a Black Widow, a little bit of a different trailer on the Super Bowl, but it was. Um, it gave us a little more of the Taskmaster, but not a lot. And, and of course, we're going to be seeing that really, really, really soon. So uh, definitely looking forward to that. What I did want to talk to you about today, because this was something we touched on last week. This really went home today. And I, like I said, this is something I've been looking forward to talking to you about, is I was reading The Hollywood Reporter, and there was an interview with Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman. Oh, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. And he is currently shopping around a new Pee-wee Herman movie. Okay. And he wants to do a dark take on Pee-wee Herman. Well, he needs to bring back um, Tim Burton then, you know, yeah. the original uh, director. I mean, Tim Burton does dark well. You yeah. Know? I know he was talking to a couple of uh, of different directors, but basically, apparently, from what I'm, uh, what I'm hearing is the script involves Pee Wee Herman being locked in an insane asylum and getting shock treatments for alcoholism. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's a. Uh, that's kind of. That's dark. Yeah. It's yeah. That's exactly. one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yeah. Yeah. He's got shock treatments and all this t- type of stuff, and it's like, but it made me think because again we were talking uh, last week about you know the dark turns and all this stuff. It seems like. In Hollywood now, it's just there's this idea that we want to do darker movies, you know, based off of uh, stuff that we we uh, that we liked when we were mm-hmm. younger. You know? Oh yeah, you know, we got Fantasy Island coming out, which is supposed mm-hmm. to be a horror movie. They just did uh, the Banana Splits film, mm-hmm. which and, they uh, made it. They they basically did their version of yeah. Five Nights at Freddy's with and the Banana Splits. A Christmas Carol. Yeah, yeah, just over. You know, FX just did it over. Christmas and it was it was not the happy or the excuse sorry the grumpy old miser who just didn't want to share his fortune I mean you know Scrooge was an absolute asshole and you wanted him to die and go to hell (laughs) Um, so absolutely we're getting this yeah it seems like we're we're uh, we're getting to a point now where we're really we're really wanting to to get all these dark takes on um, on movies and you know especially you know, nostalgia wise, you know, uh, and going back, you know, because we were talking about WandaVision, it seems like, you know, we're, they're going through all of these, um, uh, all these uh, 50s, 60s, 70s, you know, 80s, uh, 90s sitcoms, you mm-hmm. know, that they're going to go through all these 
you know, light family sitcoms, but there's going to be like a dark thread underneath all of it. Mm-hmm. You know, because obviously, uh, uh, you know, the vision is dead and of course now he's alive. And so there's all this talk about where all this stuff is coming from. And so, I mean, that's definitely got that kind of a dark thread to it. But it just seems like right now we're, and it's been going on for a little while. Mm-hmm. I think about Pleasantville, you know, the movie where Reese Witherspoon and Toby Maguire get sucked into this sitcom, you know, of the perfect world. And, you know, when you look a little bit under the perfect world, everything seems perfect, but no one's happy. And you're basically stuck in hell and you're stuck in this loop. So that would definitely be, you know, going with those, uh, the 1950s uh, and 60s sitcoms that they just, you know, just under the surface. If we dig just a little deeper, what's going on? Yeah, I mean, it seems like we are, you know, as a culture, we are fascinated now with deconstructing a lot of uh, of this stuff. And I, I wonder, I mean, part of it, I think, is, is I guess, uh, in a real sense, this is, uh, by taking a look at it in, through that lens, maybe we're, it's a way of looking at the subject in a more mature manner with uh, more of a critical eye. It gives the subject maybe a little bit more gravitas because, of course, you know, we're taking light, friendly entertainment that's in a real sense you could say is disposable and actually putting some gravitas into it. And I mean, that that may be part of it, but also, and we talked about this last week. I mean, we seem to be, as a culture right now, really fascinated with dystopian futures. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I, I think that there's sort of like a zeitgeist about, uh, you know, the worst possible thing that could happen. You know, this that's pretty much what we're focusing on at this point. So I have to wonder because it seems like, and especially in nostalgia now, uh, like I said, we're just, we're continuing to kind of go back into nostalgia, but we want to give it, you know, a, a dark turn. Mm-hmm. And it seems like we're, we're constantly I haven't watched that. it, but Lost in Space, mm-hmm. uh, the new series, and I guess even the 1990s movie was... You know, it was in the old series was, uh, you know, traveling through space with robots and stuff like that. And then when we get to these, um, you know, newer adaptations of the same story, you know, giving it a much more, you know, there's saboteurs, there's, you know, they have to go look for a new place to live because we've killed Earth. So, yeah, we've it's it's been going on quite a while. So, yeah, like I said, I, I wonder if part of it might have to do with. The fact that we are, um, we're older, you know, a lot of the stuff that we look, you know, that was, you know, when we were kids, we were really into by revisiting it to make it more up to date. We figure, well, we've got to, you know, we've got to sort of tarnish it a little bit. And it had it to grow with us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and where we are right now is, I, I think, you know, again, as a, as a, uh, as a culture, I think maybe we are more pessimistic. And I think, you know, that's being, you know, art tends to reflect the culture of the time. And I think our art at this point is taking some of the nostalgia in the past and, you know, stripping the, you know, the nice paint off of it, you know, and giving it a patina in a real sense. And I think also it's uh, the fact that we seem to be, you know, right now, you know, really fascinated with, you know, the darker side of things. And um, for people who like to, who who read horror and like horror. Uh, fiction. This is a this is a good thing for sure. But uh, I wonder if a straight out remake of a comedy, you know, of a sitcom comedy, how successful that would be. You know, AMC's coming out with a a fifty style uh, sitcom, but it's it's more reflective on the on the mother 
and it's supposed to be the seedy underbelly of of, of the fifties uh, family sitcom. Uh, you're very much like Pleasantville, like you were talking about. And so it just it, again, I, I it's it's another example of how we're kind of going back into the past mm-hmm. and uh, sanding off some of the you know some of the. Uh, well, a I couple of the records. networks, I haven't watched them, but a couple of networks did like live versions of uh, All in the Family and Good Times, you know, just uh, like one was starring Woody Harrelson. Yeah, he yeah. played Archie Bunker. Archie Bunker. So, um, you know, I'd, I've heard good things about them that, you know, they were funny and everything. So doing a straight remake seems to, it doesn't seem like it's had a negative appeal yeah. to people but yeah well um, the thing about it of course i i remember uh all in the family and the jeffersons when they first aired and of course the thing about those shows and of course this was the genius of norman lear is i mean it already had the hard edge to it because of course archie bucket was a bigot and a racist the show was basically to make fun of him and those attitudes that he had i mean it was a very political show and so they fit just as well in our modern times as they did back then. In a real sense, I think, you know, those are those type of shows come tailor made, you know, for the 21st century. Although uh, in a lot of sense, I mean, I would have thought or at least I would have hoped that we would have gotten uh, gotten farther along than we have at this point. But, you know, it is what it is. So uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, like I said, it's just it, it seems it seems weird to me right now that we're, you know, we're in a really pessimistic, dark place. And it's like it, it so much of our art now at this point seems to re- reflect a lot of it. And um, like I said, I don't know if light, breezy entertainment necessarily has a place in our market now. Although I have to say there's nothing dark and mysterious and depressing about like say the uh on the disney plus you know the uh, the world according to jeff goldblum that's just you know that's just delightful that's just fluff yeah so but it's well i mean it's fluff in 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 one sense but in another sense you know it's very well thought out and very uh educational uh as well uh and you know i so i mean I, i guess under the circumstances we could say you know it's not uh it's it wouldn't be impossible but uh yeah it's like uh, all our our art this these days they have edges and uh i figure that's going to be for uh that's not going to change anytime soon so but speaking of entertainment of course uh we know uh we know what time it is aha is that time uh-huh. yes <laughs> and so we did get a a new episode of doctor who yep. uh called praxis mm-hmm. and uh we're back on Earth again. I've noted um, uh, the Doctor hasn't really been tr- hasn't really left the solar system too awfully much in this uh, in this season. Nope. So so we uh, we get the episode called Praxis and uh, a, a little bit of a mystery going on, and we get the first time when they split up the team. Mm-hmm. Never split the party. Well, you know, there's mm-hmm. that's you know, mm-hmm. uh, there's definitely that, but that way you uh, you know that's one of the strengths of having that many companions is you're able to you're able to kind of split the story up like that. And mm-hmm. so I, to that aspect, I thought that was some really good storytelling. Uh, needless to say, folks, there's going to be spoilers. So mm-hmm. from this point on, so if you've not seen this episode of Doctor Who, uh, pause the podcast now, let's, uh, and then we'll uh, come back after you've seen it because, uh, yeah, this is, again, uh, although there wasn't uh, the big massive surprises like we got in the, uh, the episode before, 
yeah, this is definitely uh, not uh, not something you want to have spoiled for sure. So, uh, so what did you think? Um, I wasn't that big a fan of this episode. It really felt like everything that happened in the last episode was just not important in this episode. And kind of like last season, it could have been in any part of the season of the series of the season. You know, it could have been the first episode, could have been the the fifth. It you know, it really didn't matter. Um. And, you know, I, I'm such a big Doctor Who fan and I will defend it, you know, to the ground. But this this one, it, it really didn't it didn't do it for me. Um, the, our guest stars, I wasn't sad or anything. I really didn't feel like he was trying to really find his husband and he was all that hurt that he was missing or anything. And, you know, whereas some other episodes you can really feel that with your uh with your guest stars and their their plight and what they're going through and I don't know if it was lack of chemistry or the fact that we really didn't get to see them together maybe three minutes on screen together but I just uh I wasn't that big a fan of this episode and it may have been because of uh the news that you told me yesterday that I went and looked at afterwards oh um you want you or you know t- what did you think about the episode without well, yeah we'll uh, we'll talk about the episode without the bias of yeah. that and we and and since you brought that mm-hmm. up we will we will talk about mm-hmm. um that little piece of news mm-hmm. here uh, after we get done with the episode but uh yeah i mean one thing i can i can definitely say to the positive for that episode is there is of course a tv trope of you know the gay guy has to die <laughs> yeah. um you know it's like you know, we'll bring in the gay guy so he died. You know, he's going to wind up dying. And there was that, uh-huh. that scene where you're like, oh, here it goes because you can't let the gay guy live. Mm-hmm. Or at least one of them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the, but uh, the doctor. Last minute? Yeah. We, doctor we rest- save him last minute, which. Uh, which for some yeah. uh, old school Doctor Who fans was kind of a, was kind let, of a bummer for him. because down, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, specifically, uh, not because this person was saved, but it's like, well, then why didn't the fifth doctor save Adric? Mm-hmm. If you guys remember that uh, uh, Earth Shock, that episode was a, a punch to the gut to a lot of Doctor old school Doctor mm-hmm. Who fans, because, of course, you had this long-standing character that uh, uh, they wound up dying, and uh, it's it was one of the very few episodes of Doctor Who, uh, old Who or new Who, where they didn't ha- play the music at the end, where mm. it was just silent at mm-hmm. the end. And they changed the, uh, they basically uh, changed the ending where you didn't see, you saw scrolling credits, but the picture was the broken star, which was Adric's uh, badge. Aww. And so a lot of people are like, you could have saved Adric, but of course the thing about it is what people forget from that episode was the Cyberman shot the uh, shot the control panel, and so the the TARDIS was damaged, and he couldn't mm-hmm. he couldn't save him. So mm-hmm. that was uh, that that was in there. So, but uh, yeah, um, I mean, besides that, I mean, we're, we're getting another environmental story. Um, yep. Yes. You know, you're uh-huh. getting another. Uh, yeah, you basically you save have, the whales. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it was it was basically you know a virus that attacks plastic and, and multiplies it, it like a like a benign tumor inside of you or a right. metastatic tumor inside of you. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Mm-hmm. And um, and so that was um, you know, so you, you get it. Um, of course, it's another Earth adventure, and um, you also um, you also get a situation where Ryan is is. Uh, uh, interacting with a female, but nothing ever happens. So it's like, <laughs> you know, you you get those, you know, it seems like Ryan, 
you know, because Ryan travels so much, I guess. It's Ryan like, has no game? Yeah, uh-huh. well, you know, it's like, uh, well, how much game does anybody have when they have, you know, not that much time, you know, and then mm-hmm. they have to get back into the TARDIS. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so another environmental story, although it's definitely not nearly as preachy as Orphan 55 was, um, where, of course, at the end of Orphan 55, you had, you know, they're practically delivering the message to the audience. But, uh, yeah, again, you know, I can understand what you were saying about, uh, you know, the the characterizations were not the strongest, for sure. Mm-hmm. The acting was not the strongest. And then saving him at the end did nullify his sacrifice, which is my Joss Whedon fandom, you know, comes out of me uh, that redemption is a big deal. And I think if he had passed away at the end, then that would have that would have made me feel more for him than him getting saved there at the last minute. Yeah. Um, yeah well, I guess ultimately that be, that that uh, comes down to what's you know what's more important. Is it uh, you know is it breaking that trope of you got to kill the gay guy off or you know this person having his uh, you know having his arc you know so that's that's a good question. I mean, as a writer, you know that's a that's a tough call to make. You know, I think uh, a writer is going to. You know, if they if they're aware of a trope, they're most likely going to want to break that trope. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, you know, like you say, story is important for sure. So but of course, then we'll have the episode next week is some sort of a boogeyman for sure. Mm -hmm. And it may be I don't know if they're going to they're going to necessarily develop anything more with this new doctor or the timeless child. One thing that they've said, is, of course, we have two more episodes and then we get a double. uh, we'll get um, uh, a two-parter and that'll be the end of the season. So we get two more episodes, including this one, and then a two-parter and that'll be it for this season. But of course, then we, you know, where they're going to go with the ender, I'm not sure what thread they're going to, they're going to deal with. But since you brought it up, <laughs> we will, before we go, we we will mention something. Yeah, Joe out. versus the BBC volcano. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Joe Hill, and we've talked about him on the show a bunch. And, of course, he's um, we have to mention him because of the fact that Lock and Key is coming out really, really, yes. really, mm-hmm. really, really soon. On uh, Netflix. Watch it because yeah. it's going to be good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, he's really, really good at writing fantastical with a touch of horror. Yes. In uh, fact, he should write for Doctor Who. It Wouldn't it be great? I mean, he wrote <laughs> Nosferatu. He wrote Horns. He's got endless books, you know, uh, awesome short stories. And yeah, and apparently and, he wanted to write for Who, right? Yes. And so he appeared on uh, Brian Keene's The Horror Show podcast. And I'm, I'm, I'm a good friend with Brian Keene. Mm-hmm. I've known him for years and years and years and um, love listening to his podcast. And Joe Hill was on the podcast. And, of course, they've been friends for a while. So they were talking about all kinds of different things. And um, the question came up, you know, what was the harshest rejection you ever received? (laughs) And so he brings up, so Joe Hill brings up this story where he's a huge fan of Doctor Who. And he's like, I want to write for them. How do I do this? So he talked to his agent and they were getting pitches together because, of course, you know, anybody who's creative, you know, like Joe Hill, for sure, you know, he had some ideas and he he appears at conventions, uh, as a lot of writers do. And he was at a one a convention uh, that Neil Gaiman was at. Neil at, Gaiman of American Gods and, uh, and, two episodes and Good of, Omens and how many episodes? A couple of episodes of Doctor Who. Uh-huh. Really good episodes of Doctor yes. Who. 
And uh, they got together and, and Joe said, I want to I want to pitch to the BBC. These are my ideas. And and Neil was like, this one's really good. Develop. You should develop it this way. This one doesn't work so well. I don't like this one. You should put this one off to the side and, and basically helped him edit the pictures. Mm-hmm. And so he got his pitches together with Neil Gaiman's help, you know, his own creativity. He pitches it. And after he. Uh, uh, he sends in his pitch. He gets an email that basically says, "We don't we have, have American." Never had an American write for Doctor Who, and if we did, we wouldn't start with you. That's a smoking. <laughs> and that, and that's what Joe Hill said. Isn't that the most smoking rejection you've ever gotten? And uh, when you told me about it, you know, I, I thought about it for a while, and then I. Uh, First of all, you know, reading reading the uh, the transcript of that interview and everything, and he's talking about, uh, you know, he loved watching it with his kids, and David Tennant was like, ooh, Joe Hill and I have the same doctor, and uh, was, you know, really cool. And I want to know, like, which regime was this under? Because, you know, uh, we've heard Christopher Eccleston talk about, you know, under Davies, there was, uh, you know, mistreatment of staff and things like that, and not sure how things went under Moffat. Who was, who was in charge when this came about and if it was recently to be as less vulgar as i could think joe hill could have left a better episode in the toilet than the one we got on sunday and i don't say that lightly yikes i do not say that lightly but you know praxis was i don't think it was nearly at the top of what doctor who should be Everyone deserves better. The cast and crew deserve better. The fans deserve better than we got than what we got on Sunday. And mm. I am such a Who fan, and I will defend it down to the ground. Even all the stuff that other people don't like, I love. But we deserve better. And well, you got to call it as you see it mm-hmm. for sure. And, and Joe Hill would make, you know, he is he's yeah a great writer. Well. I would say if there's an American, um, if there is American who could write Doctor Who, Joe Hill could definitely. And as a matter of fact, people are like, you know, well, there is a, and I believe the name of the book is Nowhere O'Clock, which is a series of Doctor Who stories that was edited by Neil Gaiman. And Uh both Brian Keene and Joe Hill have stories in it. So he has written Doctor Who before. Yeah. So it's not like he couldn't, you know. Mm -hmm. And especially with his pedigree, for sure. Yeah. He, like, if, if Daddy King had said, hey, I want to write for Doctor Who, would BBC have had had the testicular fortitude to say, no? <laughs> well, I, I, I have a feeling that they, they probably would, because, I mean, obviously, because wow. the thing about it is this. And, and I get, you know, there's a British sensibility, for sure. But at the same time, and, and I'm not even just saying, you know, in the case of Joe Hill, I can think of a lot of great... American writers, male, female, pe- uh, people of color that are American writers that would do amazing things with Doctor Who if they were given the chance, you know. At least one thing I can say is somebody who who likes to write, as I do, at least uh, I'm not going to waste my time fantasizing how cool it would be to write for Doctor Who because if Joe Hill can't get a job there, <laughs> I don't got a prayer to, to, so you know i can i can have my you know i can daydream about something else now my time can be uh, <laughs> better spent i would say but uh yeah that was that was a bit of a shock mm-hmm. felt like bbc really shot themselves in the foot on well that you one. know th- that's the thing though i mean the bbc can be really wonky sometimes and like i said I, i'm not blaming this on any of the showrunners you know whether it was Stephen moffat or chris chibnall 
I don't know if they even saw it. Mm-hmm. As of right now, of course, most of this stuff, most of the news, you know, like I said, with Joe Hill and, and this this uh, smoking rejection, uh, I don't see any of this being really being reported over, um, you know, overseas. You're mostly seeing this in American. Mm-hmm. Uh, I going to be curious to see if this story goes viral and if the BBC eventually makes a comment about it. They, they probably won't. <laughs> I don't know if Chris Chib, you know, uh, I'm just waiting for a convention somewhere for the question to be asked and to see, you know, like Chris Chibnall, what he would have to say about that. Because mm-hmm. v- very often, you know, and I mean, over the history of the program, the BBC uh, and Doctor Who have been at loggerheads where, you know, what's best for the show is not necessarily what the BBC thinks is best for the show. And that, you know, and that's been with old Who and new Who. So... Like I said, I, I would be interested to see if this comes up in a convention and Chris Chibnall gets asked that question, what do you have to say about it? But as of right now, it's all speculation. But if it happens, of course, we'll definitely talk about it here on the show. And so with that said, we come to the end of episode 99. Thank you for listening and tune in next time for the latest in geek news and views with the Geek Watch podcast. For Mandy Petrie, this is Brian Hatcher reminding all the geek watchers out there, we're all geeky about something. Be proud of yours. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Geek Watch Podcast. If you enjoyed this program, don't forget to like and subscribe on your preferred platform and share this podcast on your social media. For links to all the ways you can listen to the Geek Watch Podcast, as well as leave comments and suggestions, visit our website at geekwatch.net. The Geek Watch Podcast is a Hanging J production.